Welcome to episode 100 of Friends of Film, a podcast of Space News and Theatrical Releases. On this episode, we'll cover Mulan casting, Masters of the Universe, Avatar sequels, and more as we celebrate our 100th episode. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and iTunes by searching Friends of Film. As always, I'm your host, Cooper Hood, once again joined by man in the midst of Dead Week, Josh Straley. And I'm feeling dead too. No, you're not. You're not alive and ready for finals for our hundredth episode. Oh yes, no, I am totally stoked for that. Uh, and if I wasn't before, this double shot um, <laughs> Moco will totally get me there. Yes. I'm already there, actually. Officially I, branded and sponsored by Starbucks and yeah. Coke, <laughs> <laughs> which would be well, yeah, the uh, the staples, the fuel of. Two years of Friends and Film yeah. podcast. Can you believe it? Uh, no, I cannot. It's, it's kind of crazy. I mean, I mean, it, depending on how long you've listened to us, I'm get. You may maybe you've listened from day one. Um, if you have, we appreciate it and thank <laughs> yes. you for uh, sticking with us through some tough spots. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I was just talking to Josh and I was saying like, oh, "Yeah, I was listening to one of our earlier reviews and yikes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> good night. That was uh, that was pretty rough. So. So maybe it's safe to assume that nobody stayed with us and they all just started somewhere in the middle. They all started late once we kind of found our groove a little bit, which uh, is hopefully the case. But if not, we appreciate you guys sticking around through it all to begin with. And um, I think for a 100th episode, it's a nice time to kind of reflect and kind of look back at how this even came to be. Mm -hmm. Um, This was all – this all started out of a finals project I had to do in my it wasn't my it wasn't my senior no no it was my the last semester of my junior year of college yep i was in a audio production class and our final was we had to make a podcast i had to be like 30 minutes long and i was like gosh i don't know what i'm gonna talk about star wars around the corner i want to talk about star wars Mm -hmm. who can i talk about it with and i mean me and you had known each other for a couple of years at that point. But, about yeah, about a year. But two like years. nothing, we like we hadn't really like hung out that often. No. Uh, I think the only time before that really we saw Thor three together. Thor two or and Thor Creed. two. Thor yeah. two. Yes, Thor two was our first time ever meeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, saw the movie together. That was great. And then yeah, we saw Creed. And I think it was right around that time I probably asked you, hey, do you want to do a help me out for my my finals yep. and do a podcast uh just talking about star wars you're like yeah 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 let's do this so we did it and you know we both enjoyed the experience enough that you know we took jedi archives number one and right. turned it into friends of film and yes uh it's stuck we've been going through it for yeah now almost two years mm-hmm. uh the, you know once january turns around uh we'll be at two years but today we're celebrating our 100th episode it's crazy um a lot of time, a lot of movies, mm-hmm. but I've enjoyed every second of it. Over, absolutely, same here. Over 120 hours. Oh I yeah, mean, at, at least. least roughly of our voices saying things and opinions <laughs> and giving hot takes on Ben Affleck's Batman status yeah. and. Uh, I mean, oh gosh! I mean, you give me a bit of the, some of the stats, you know, about yeah. things we've spoken about earlier, and it's like, and I was just trying to guess it, like, or yeah, I was you having me guess at some of the topics, you know, the fill the top of the list. I'm like, no, we couldn't have talked about it that much. <laughs> no, I mean, there's definitely some stuff like just to give you guys kind of a rundown. Even though this is a hundred episodes of our technically our friends and film podcast, yeah, this is probably our I don't know hundred and twentieth upload this will be i mean just because we've done we've done 81 reviews of new releases over the last two years which is pretty good yeah um means we 
we're we're not exactly doing a new review every single week, mm-hmm. um, but we typically have an episode out every single week. Uh, we also did three retro reviews, twelve preview episodes, ten specials, and in the last what two and a half weeks, we've done two emergency episodes. Yeah, uh, we've brought that concept into our programming as well, which is just. I mean, that, that's a ton of content right there. And throughout it all, we have mm-hmm. talked about 318 different movies, Oof. ranging Oof. from, uh, you know, Star Wars, the MCU, the DCEU, the Avatar sequels, mm-hmm. the Emoji movie, yeah. uh, even a Passion of the Christ sequel. That's uh, right. We've talked, we've talked about a lot of different things, sometimes only once, and we'll never talk about it again, but uh, that's just kind of the way the news cycle ro- rolls sometimes, but... Uh, as you were alluding to, the topics we've talked about the most uh, is running through because I keep I keep a word document of everything we talk about, just so I can kind of reference and see what we've talked about a lot, what we haven't, and then if there's you know a movie coming around the corner, it's like okay, we haven't really talked about this. Maybe try to find a new story so we can relate it back <laughs> right. to this and make this relevant again. But the movie I have I have our top seven. Uh, Started with Deadpool 2 at number 7. We talked about that 25 times. Rogue One, we had 27. Uh, and these don't these numbers don't count the reviews. So if we've reviewed the movie, mm-hmm. then you tack on another one, obviously. Gotcha. Uh, the Batman, a movie that is two years away, probably from it in theaters. We've yeah. talked about 28 <laughs> times already. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, which hit theaters this July, another 28 times Mm -hmm. justice league just came out 29 times the last jedi which is coming out in two weeks right uh believe it or not 29 times which that should be it we're not we haven't talked about in a while because it's just getting into that territory of tv spots and you know cast interviews and details we don't really want to talk about um and then at number one it's solo a star wars story (laughs) with 31 times i can't believe that I mean, I, I, I obviously it's been the most dramatic. Yeah. But but then I think like no, there's been Ben Affleck news like left and right and mm-hmm. left and right and Justice League arguably the most dramatic movie. Maybe. Perhaps. I think the Batman thing would have been on number one if we didn't put that moratorium on. All right, oh, we're that's not true. we're not talking about yes. whether or not Ben Affleck is going to stay on as Batman. I think we did that in August or something. It was like after four straight weeks of every the story changing yeah. back and forth Where until we like, made it a big eh. question and then said, "All right, shut it yeah. down." Folks. This is it. This is all we got, and uh, you know we'll come, we'll talk about this again. I think we we touched about it briefly in, during our Just League review, but mm-hmm. I mean we're not going to talk about it, whether or not he's sticking around until the WB confirms it either way. Um, so I think that's just kind of interesting to look at. I mean, it's not surprising to me that all of the movies we've talked about are either Star Wars. We have yeah, <laughs> uh, like the last four or the next three Star Wars movies, two DC movies, uh, you know, an MCU movie and then an X-Men movie. Like it's not mm-hmm. surprising to me that our <laughs> biggest topics are yeah. from huge franchises and cinematic universes. Of course. Uh, but and it's ultimately, though, what brought us into it. I mean, the, it is. those things are the, those those massive studio films rolling through. Uh, I mean, obviously, big budgets garner lots of attention. Yes, um, those are the ones that you know pique our interest. But also, I think uh, those are the ones that make more people tune in. Is when we do that sort of stuff. Um, but I think it's also. I mean, those, these are only probably half. These technically, these big blockbusters are only about half of what we probably review yeah. in a year. Just because through doing this and trying to find a review, there's only so many blockbusters that we mm-hmm. actually want to see. 
Um, and if there's, I mean, we can kind of get into stuff we've taken away from the podcast throughout, you know, a hundred episodes. And I think the thing that I've really enjoyed, not only just talking to you like every single week about movies and everything, but uh, just broadening my horizons a little bit and look and just like getting more involved with the movie industry and seeking out more independent films, mm-hmm. getting more interested in the Oscars and being more committed to saying like, okay, some of these blockbusters are great, but I also really want to go see Lady Bird in theaters because that's movie that's being talked about and I should go support this film and make my own opinion on it instead of waiting to see, oh, does it make the Oscar list? And then I'll go and check it out. Like, you know, trying to be a little more proactive and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah. Stellar. And I know like, well, for me anyway, blockbusters have been the thing that I've only really done. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than like picking up the remnants of like my father and like my family's like, oh, right. these are really good movies, you know, back in my day type of a thing. Uh, especially because... I definitely, I definitely knew almost nothing <laughs> about film or video before starting here, before starting this. And now, like, just the other day, and this is this is this is the most ridiculous example. I was just like, so I wonder, what are the ins and outs of shooting on film and their dyeing and the exposing <laughs> techniques and things like that? Something so stupid and just like. Oh wow, this really you know goes toward making a better film. When but before I just thought like, I thought it's all done like you know. You know, you push record on a right. camera, <laughs> but uh, I mean, yeah, I think, um, and all sorts, yeah, totally, and like all sorts of other things like that. You know, uh, being able to just let out an opinion on a movie, other than like paying money for it and then saying, "Oh, well, yeah, I spent money on it, so it was good." Mm-hmm. Like, so I'm defending our purchases, right? Like, kind of, <laughs> right? I've noticed that over these two years. I have become less attached to my decisions and it's just kind of like, all right, I paid to see a bad movie. So now mm-hmm. it's time to tell let everyone know. Yeah. Also, I think it also just in doing this every single week, it's, I mean, it, it is a good thing because, uh, you know, I think I've become a little bit more critical of movies that have been like, Oh, before, Oh, Thor Ragnarok, easy five. Loved yeah. it. Favorite movie of the year. And like this year, like my current top 10 list, doesn't have a MCU movie like oh, that. Wow. That's just, that's shocking to me. Yeah. But it's I think it's because I'm not I'm looking at these things a little bit more critically and not and taking mm-hmm. my my fandom out of them a little bit. But also and just looking and finding other movies that are smaller that maybe I wouldn't have seen before, like yeah. an Ingrid Goes West or a Wind River or something. I mean, like wow, these movies are fantastic, mm-hmm. and those are the ones that are in my top ten more than a. Spider-Man Homecoming or a Guardians of the Galaxy or something. Yeah, you were saying before we started recording about connecting with movies, mm-hmm. and I, and I'll, I'll, I'll pose that to you because I imagine the your top ten is probably littered with a few of the movies that probably hit home mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, and that's the thing too. I mean, I don't think I ever would have gone to see Baby Driver, right? If not for this podcast, probably would have heard about it and been like, eh, it's a car racing movie or whatever. <laughs> that's not my style whatsoever. Oh, Kevin Spacey? Nah, still not worth it. Right. Or like whatever the case is. Well, like, if you haven't seen it in July, like, it just came out on home video right mm-hmm. around all the Kevin Spacey stuff. So, right. like, at that point, you're like, even if you were interested in it, you didn't see it right away, but you'd be like, I don't want to see that because he's in it. Yeah. But then, like, you know, yeah, for better or for worse, I have an attachment to that movie now. Yeah. Just because of it. Uh, the way that uh, Edgar Wright 
you know, laced music and fused it with, you know, heart, soul and things like that. So, um, especially with those smaller movies, like you were kind of saying, uh, yeah, um, that is one been one of the biggest takeaways. Yeah. So, I mean, in looking back at a hundred episodes, uh, I think there's been a couple memorable moments. Um, I don't know if you have any in particular. I think the one that will always stick out to me is my my rants, if you want to call it that, about J.J. Abrams and <laughs> getting a little upset that people weren't That's uh, very recent too. weren't excited about him being on board. Um, other than that, I think I after I saw Civil War early, I think I talked about that here mm-hmm. that same week. Yep. Uh, I mean that's always going to be a highlight, not only with the podcast but just you know in life in general. Um, and then I think also just, you know, kind of those momentous occasions for the podcast where, you know, after starting the podcast with Star Wars, and that was our first review with Star Wars 7, when we finally got that last Jedi trailer, I mean, mm-hmm. that was a huge that was a huge talking point of the podcast. And then, um, you know, the Infinity War trailer we just talked about yeah. in our emergency episode, I think is a huge point because we talk about the Marvel movies a lot. And right. uh, we've, we've just been building towards this sort of stuff for years that to have a place to just talk about these things openly and uh, kind of geek out about them all and analyze them and get be like, Oh, what's this little light here? Is this the same shot? Is this shot? <laughs> is that the green lantern? Is that or, the well, green lantern? Or is, film, is uh, <laughs> you know, are Ray and Kylo in the same place? Like yeah. these are points that are, I, you know, if I wasn't doing this podcast, I wouldn't talk about as much or mm-hmm. probably even think about, but right. you know, because we do this sort of thing, it gives me a place to do that. And, uh, I think those are some of the moments that will always stick out to me when looking back and thinking of those, uh, at least positively. <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, especially, I mean, not just to tip off that real quick before I'd say something about mine, uh, especially when we get to the last Jedi, because oh, yeah. that's like, it's almost like friends and film has, is a, is a saga itself. <laughs> right. And this is our, this is our middle point, if you will. Uh, and in some ways, in a lot of ways, I don't know, but it's just kind of like, all right, this is the next chapter. Turn the page officially to mm-hmm. what's next for these characters, but also us, but whatever. But uh, I was thinking about Hail Caesar. I think this was the first time we, we, we did a studio up. You, uh, we were able to get our audio equipment upgraded for that episode in particular. Probably. It was the fr- I think it was the first one that we did uh, with new mics and mm-hmm. new setup and everything like that. And stuff. It, st- it stopped sounding like you were in outer space <laughs> and I was in the room with yeah. you. <laughs> like there was that kind of disparity. Uh, but also, that was just the whack. Like, I still, I, I I think I gave that movie like a five rating. Yeah. It, it probably in hindsight wouldn't do that today. <laughs> I've learned a little bit. But I still enjoyed it thoroughly. And it was, I think it was the first Coen Brothers movie I'd seen. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, this is the wackiest thing I've ever watched, especially especially with Channing Tatum, uh, you know, out there on the rowboat with all of those <laughs> guild riders, and then the submarine just emerges, and then the dog uh, falling into the ocean, or almost falling into the ocean, and then the money, the ransom money from George Clooney, and just things like that. I just remember that being one of the most hysterical podcasts that we'd recorded, in, right. like, you know, up to that point for mm-hmm. the first time. And uh, that's where it's like, oh, this can be fun too, you know. <laughs> I mean, not that it hadn't been before, yeah, yeah. but it was just like one of the first cut lo- cut loose moments where I had to stop psyching myself up to <laughs> spit words into the mic and things like that. So that was kind of like the the grow up mo- one of the grow up moments yeah. for us, I thought. And I was just kind of like, all right, that was that's always going to stand out. 
So that Hail Caesar would be one of your favorite reviews that we've done? Uh, yeah, I would say so. I mean... Are there any others? Just be- for sentimental attachment. But also, I mean, I think we also did a, a Nocturnal Animals yeah, review. Yeah, that's the one I have. Yeah, and Colton was here with us. Yep. I think one of his first official reviews with us, too, right? It may be his only review with us. Yeah, I I'm think so. I'm not sure. And, you know, the movie is... The movie is uh, you know, more, it's more of a, about what's on screen versus what's in it. At least, I, at least as I watched the movie by myself. Mm-hmm. But then we started talking about it, and Jake Gyllenhaal and Amy Adams' stories, and all of a sudden the review goes forty-five minutes, and we were right. and we almost kind of assumed it would be something yeah. super short. We were like, "Oh, we'll probably go like twenty minutes on this," and it turned into something completely different. And mm-hmm. by the end of it, I think it's one of those rare reviews that we've done where as we talk about it, I just keep liking the movie more and more, which yep. I mean, it ha- that's not to say that, you know, as we've talked about these movies in the past, hasn't changed my opinions at all, but this was one that's like, Oh yeah, you know, I really like it. And like, I, I could, I, I don't find that many flaws with it. So I'll probably give it a high grade. But then mm-hmm. as we just talked about it more and more, I was like, but this is why I appreciate it. And I think it's one of, uh, I think it's one of our better reviews we've ever done. Um, just because of the, the movie that it, that like, and it, it had the possibility to go into that kind of in-depth conversation, but also I love that dynam- that the dynamic of a third person here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And the only the one I had that was like you know this is one that was I think a big one was Arrival. It's one we oh, we've talked yes. we talked about for quite a while when we I reviewed still it. Yell at you for and it too. <laughs> we still anytime Arrival gets brought up, we're like I don't know who's right, <laughs> and I think that's I think that's a great thing, and mm-hmm. um, you know. Another aspect, like you mentioned, like, you know, Hell Caesar is probably your first Coen Brothers movie, but, uh, you know, just like Arrival wasn't my first Denny movie or anything, but like throughout all these other movies we've sought out throughout the year or the last two years, mm-hmm. it's given me the opportunity or it has made me want to seek out directors' previous efforts, uh, actors' previous efforts even more because I want to be able to know how if we're reviewing these movies how does it, how does it stack up to stuff that they've done before so that way i can say this is their best movie or instead of be like oh this is my first movie i've seen of theirs and it's like you know oh this is my first Ridley scott movie i've ever seen you're like yeah where have you been for the last 30 years <laughs> and then uh, yeah and to that though you have to say you've seen a Ridley scott movie you just haven't known it yet yeah uh oh for sure oh yeah i mean right oh, oh gosh i yeah, Arrival Two that that came out in such a good, uh, such a sweet spot last mm-hmm. year too. That I, it was the exact you know shot of adrenaline. And it was a good pick me up and all sorts right. of things. I mean, the emotional story, but then like the, the that was sci fi at its best. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. Um, before so we move on to some of our some of our other kind of look back things, I wanted to give a special thanks to people who've been on the podcast or oh, helped yeah. us throughout the last hundred episodes. Uh, credit to my brother-in-law, David Johnson for doing our intro music. Uh, that, I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's just great to have that music and be able to listen to it and hear it every Absolutely. time we start and end the podcast. Um, and I know like I bugged him about it for a couple of months <laughs> to like, Hey, are we going to get this? And I, I love the way it turned out. So, uh, Thanks again to David for doing that. Thank you, David. Um, and then also we mentioned Colton. Yeah. You know, Colton's been on the podcast, I don't know, eight or ten times probably. Yep. Um, always love when he's on it. Then we've had Amanda on, in quotes, uh, yes. one time for Wonder Woman, but that was 
one of the two episodes we've done over Skype because I was out of town. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll, again, we appreciate her coming on and continue to look for more opportunities for her to come on, but also yeah. um, other people as well. So before we started recording, you were like, oh, wait, though. Oh, yes. OK, but a, we have to. And also a very special thanks, though, Cooper, to you, because you, sir, have not <laughs> only handled the exporting, up- uploading, importing for a, six, seven months, the uploading and splicing together of videos and placing them on YouTube, sir. Yeah. You have been the technician behind <laughs> this entire podcast while I've been over here just shouting things <laughs> for most of the entirety. Shouting, show, drinking coffee. And, shouting, drinking coffee, showing up late 92% of the time. Hey, but you bring a Coke every I, single week, and that, that is something to as appreciate. Like, but you know, the thing is, though, that started that wasn't almost out of the goodness of my heart. It didn't start that way. It started as apologies for being late. Right. all the time yeah so this podcast does not happen if you don't ask me that's to true. join and it, it would not be here today if not for you sir i appreciate so that thank you i mean again can't do it without you i need a co-host N- um replaceable <laughs> easily replaceable <laughs> I mean, maybe uh, <laughs> i'm gonna show up the door's gonna be locked next yeah, week <laughs> like, okay i gotta find somebody new uh thanks for 100 episodes josh your contract is over uh and we're moving on good luck but, in free agency <laughs> yeah um but really uh let's talk about you proposed the topic of the best and worst movie that we've reviewed over our time in 100 episodes mm-hmm. um so why don't you start off with the best movie, or do you want to start off with the worst? The best movie or the worst movie? Oh Well, oh, I mean, probably start off with the best because, okay. I mean, a little bit of positive, and then I think when we get to the worst movie, and it's going to lead to some, some ragging and things yeah, like that. that's true. But best movie we have reviewed on the pod is Arrival. Because, I mean, like I was just about to kind of touch on earlier, to this day I can watch it, and I don't take a new thing away from it every time, mm-hmm. but... What is written and what Denny got onto film is one of the most beautiful stories ever, especially because, maybe not one of the most beautiful stories (laughs) ever, but um, heartwarming um, in the aspect of Amy Adams' story, Mm -hmm. regardless of what the chronology of it is, Yeah. (laughs) uh, at the heart of it, there's still a point in that movie where she realizes she how she'll have a daughter in the future and she's got to make a decision about, you know, whether or not, to, uh, um, go ahead and go forward with that. Mm-hmm. And she does it anyway, even though she can see and feel all of the pain that's going to happen. It's kind of like that acceptance, but mm-hmm. then also there's the larger th- theme of, you know, languages and how we communicate with one another and how, different parts of the world see things differently sees the same actions differently and um and then this is a little bit cheesy but collaboration across mm-hmm. you know uh the entire uh world and things like that and that still that still gets me today yeah. um and i think it's one of the phenomenal movies and then not to mention just bradford young and denny and johan johansson's score and uh, i i mean i could literally go on forever about right. those people uh and the work they do so um, that I, that one I would say is the best. Okay, I guess we're going best movie, uh, not favorite movie or whatever. Um, I may have to give it to Baby Driver. Ooh, I yes. mean, technically, 
Uh, it's great. I think the performances are really strong. It has that great soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, absolutely. Other absolutely. than that, you know, just thinking of you know, kind of my top movies from the last two years that we may have reviewed. I mean, Civil War is up there for me personally, uh, just because it's a movie that, you know, it, it delivered on everything it promised. Totally. Um, and I think it set up that conflict and delivered on it really well. Um, Wind River is one we reviewed. Oh. Wind River. Uh, I thought that was uh, a superb movie of this year. You know, something like The Force Awakens last year, the very first movie reviewed, I think is one that will hold up for a very long time as well. Um, I'm sure there's others I'm forgetting as well, but I mean, those are just some of the ones that are like, I'd put in that list for, for best movie that we've reviewed. Yeah. Do you- uh, did you have a favorite? I think I think Arrival turned into my favorite. I think Civil War oh. technically be my okay. favorite. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Now that I think about that in hindsight, um, worst. Yeah, this was tough though. Okay. Okay. But I've I've got it narrowed down to either Suburbicon, Money Monster, or Huntsman: Winter's War. Wait, I thought you kind of like were like indifferent on Suburbicon. Yeah, it's still pretty bad though. It's, I mean, it's you know, on you re- over time. <laughs> remember how I said, like, I love the oh, technical yeah, the, aspects the of it. Design, the production design, the production design, the editing was fine. The shots were great. No, it. it I mean, that's the I, clear number one I for me. Left off World of Warcraft. Hey, I'd watch World of Warcraft twenty times before I watch the Rubicon again. <laughs> oh, yeah, but Money Monster, um, just. Uh, the execution and everything about that story is not even what it's supposed to be about. Mm-hmm. I, it's probably lumped in there right with Suburbicon. Just nothing about it thematically is there right. at all. And then it just turns into a movie where George Clooney eats pie in a blanket <laughs> at the end of it. After, you know, just wearing a suit and tie. Be like, don't shoot, don't blow the place up. I and forgot about like, that ending. Yeah. I forgot it, a lot about that movie, actually. Uh, it like, was that's mm. probably one i think i gave it like a two and a half or a two or yeah, something I'm, I'm sure it was way too generous um, back then yeah I, I, it's a, i think it's, that's one of those i looking back i would probably go lower on if i watched it again but you know being the early days of the podcast and being right. the early days of critiquing movies and quotes and exactly I, I was like oh well, I, I like jack o'connell a lot and mm-hmm. You know, George Clooney was fine, and uh, the who Queen's was, accent. Who was Great. the uh, Who was the female lead in it? Was, it wasn't Julianne Moore, was it? No, it wasn't Julianne Moore. It was. Uh, I can't think of who it was. His wife from Ocean's Eleven, Twelve. Oh, uh, Julia Roberts. Julia Roberts. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Positive. Oh, okay. I don't know. Um, See, I think that that would probably be one that would uh, would go down for me as well in hindsight. Um, other than that, did we review The Great Wall? We did review that The Great Wall. That would be down there. I agree with you about Huntsman. That would, that's probably the movie I've watched and been the most angry at for the podcast because that was one that I had that I paid for, mm-hmm. watched, <laughs> and was just so infuriated by the end of it that I had to pay $12 to watch this or whatever. Convince someone to see that versus Jungle Book, and I still uh, hate myself for it. Yeah, that's a that's a pretty big uh, pretty big mess up. Um, <laughs> so then the other thing I want to touch on here in kind of looking back at 100 episodes is I mentioned we've talked about 318 different movies. Mm-hmm. So there's been plenty that we've talked about a couple of times, some more hypothetical projects than others. Yeah. Is there anyone that sticks out to you of a movie we've talked about a couple of times that you're just like, this movie's not happening? 
This movie is not happening. Oh gosh. Um. I'll, wow. th- I'll throw out some suggestions while you think. Go ahead. Bad Boys Three. I no. think. I just think Will Smith probably doesn't want to do it at this point. Martin Lawrence is probably sitting around waiting for that call, but <laughs> yeah, dude the, needs to pay the movie just keeps losing directors and release dates, and I don't see how you make it happen without being a revival slash reboot thing. And right. uh, gross. Uh, Mad Max Two. Unfortunately, anything any sort of continuation with that Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron franchise, I think is mm-hmm. dead. With George Miller now suing WB for getting more money from the from Mad Max. It just looks like that's just, there's bad blood there. Um, and I also think Boba Fett is a movie that we've talked about a couple of times that I just don't see happening because I don't really see the interest personally in a Boba Fett movie, but also I think he'd work better as some sort of side character, supporting character uh, in like, you know, the un- in like a TV show or something live action. Yeah. Um, and with Josh, I mean, Josh Trank, I know he was close to doing that movie and there's been reports that movie is still going right on. Right there. But with the way Lucasfilm's moving, I don't, you know, we're getting the, the Solo movie, we're getting the Kenobi movie, we're getting Ryan Johnson's new trilogy, and, you know, maybe we're going to continue on with the Skywalker saga eventually, but I don't see where Boba Fett fits in, necessarily. No, not at all. Me neither. Especially because his story just has become so disinteresting. Yeah. I mean, really. Well, I mean, once you flushed him out in... Episode two, mm-hmm. it was kind of like, even if you did get a bounty hunter movie, right? I don't see it. Yeah. Is there any other movie I missed that you can think of? I, I mean, the, we had there was some speculation about a Matrix film <laughs> from Sony, but I think Sony has uh, Sony has kind of really learned that smart sci-fi or is not the way to go. <laughs> I, I, I really think that Blade Runner's bomb of the box office uh, is going to sour people on movies like that for a long time. Unless Maybe. rights are sold to a streaming service. You want to see Matrix on a streaming service? I don't know if I want to see it there, but it's dead unless it goes to one of those. No, I think that movie's going to happen. I don't think it'll happen with Michael B. Jordan oh, as that so proposed. Good. It would be great. I just don't see that happening necessarily. I think it'd be more of. I don't. I don't think the Blade Runner comparison is that fair because I think Matrix would have a, a lower budget than the two whatever two hundred mm-hmm. million dollar budget Blade Runner twenty four nine had, and yeah. Blade Runner twenty four nine from those trailers doesn't sell it as a, you know, that sort of a blockbuster that people need to rush out to go see, and it's a sequel to a movie most people haven't seen to begin with. So, Matrix was at one time a hugely popular IP. And if you bring that back, the red and blue pills and all that jazz, like mm. it'll it'll do pretty well, I think. So, uh, last thing as we as we look back on hundred episodes, okay. Um, I actually want to look forward to the next hundred episodes. Here we go. We've done a lot of different things. We've had our equipment upgraded twice. We've done tried doing a top ten, top five list mm-hmm. every episode. Doing the flyby, we do the big question now. We yep. were on YouTube at one point. Um, we've tried all this different stuff. We've had multiple guests on. As we look forward to the next hundred episodes, what do you want to see? Uh, how we progress and any new things you want to see us dive into? I think we can do – I think segments is going to be something that we really pivot around. I don't know if it becomes 
episode standalone episodes mm-hmm. outside of the flagship episodes maybe or no no they become a series that outside of the episodes yeah. things like that nature but i've got this gut feeling we're about to have some spin-offs Ooh, yes we're making a friends and film cinematic universe yeah you know like the uh the joey's or no oh well i was gonna make a friends reference but <laughs> not many people know that there was a joey spin-off series wait what yeah like it was actually made yeah it was actually made aired for two seasons what? Yeah. Are you serious? I am 95% sure unless I read like two fake articles. Yeah, that sounds like a fake thing. I've literally never heard about that. But that, I, I don't know. I could, I don't know. I yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was right. Okay, yeah. When did it air? Back in 2006? No, that can't be right. That'd be like, what, right after it wrapped? Right after the series finale? A couple yeah. years after that? 2004, 2006. On on uh, on NBC, yeah, wow. <laughs> what was it called? Joey. That's wild. Matt LeBlanc goes in and everything. Okay, I'll have forty-six to, uh, episodes. I'll have to look forty-six that up. episodes. Yeah, that's two full season orders. Yeah, twenty-three, twenty-three. Wow. Okay, thirty-five and eighty-six. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Apparently. Um, Personally, I want to see as we move into the next hundred episodes. I want to see us get more guests. I Ooh, think yeah. I think three people is probably the best way to have a podcast and a discussion. So I want to find I want to find more people. So if you listen to the podcast and you know us, uh, reach out and let us know that you want to be on. We'd love to have you. Uh, especially like you know, I had my sister tell me that one of you know somebody we know is like wants to be on the podcast to do yeah. like a. Uh, national treasure review <laughs> i was like uh, i don't know how we could work that in yeah <laughs> but if there's anything else maybe sure um so I mean, that's something to look into and then I, I agree like segments um you know just trying to make the show more of a show mm-hmm. kind of instead of just a conversation uh, i think that's something we'll try to push more and more as we move uh into the next hundred episodes if we make it another hundred episodes so, sure thing uh we appreciate again all of you guys sticking with us for a hundred episodes if you guys enjoyed this little look back and brief look forward at what we've done but we're gonna move into the news um and talk about all the stuff that's happened this week but we also want to talk about a couple of topics that we just just wanted to talk about um first one being award season we're officially in december mm-hmm. so award season is in full swing we i wanted to ask what non-awards movies have the best shot of breaking into the oscar race um, you know, as we move into what, when's the Oscars March? Yes. Um, so is there anyone in particular for a specific category or categories that you see this one's got the best shot in this category? Best to, best to lay out some kind of groundwork real quick. Okay. What would you describe as a non-awards movie? Anything that's not like being released in this kind of like in, time in like frame. in that limited, it's like, Oh, here's the limited release. Yeah. And here is, you know, uh, it, it's got a five million dollar budget, and it's this passion project, mm-hmm. and it's it's really it's getting it's getting it's anything that's going wide, uh, you know, early next year getting re released or uh, well not re released because even like Beauty and the Beast is getting a re release. Right. Um, that's not an Oscar bait movie, but yeah, didn't have a limited run, premiered only exclusively at all the film festivals, right, yeah. and then yeah, popped up in one theater, had, two theaters on yeah, each coast, and had like two you days. Know, Made a bunch of money and also like, ha- or either had a significant 
you know, budget behind it. Yeah. Well, I think there's only one. I mean, there's maybe two or three, really. But this, I mean, this is the one I have to say because he's my man. And that's, you know, Dunkirk. But is that, is that, is that too? No. Is that, is no, that, I, I would classify that, that as that? a okay. non-awards movie. Even yeah. though it's really Nolan pushing for an award. <laughs> it's, exactly. It's, it's Christopher Nolan's most award, awardy movie. His most Oscar bait worthy yes. film that he's ever done. Uh, that, it's out, yeah, it's also unlike that. But I mean, like, like, listen, last year we had Gibson's return to the stage. Um, Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw Ridge get in. And that was from a director that everyone ha- hates <laughs> still. Um, for worse, you know, for, you know, warranted, unwarranted. Uh, and it made it. It ran the gauntlet. So now we have a darling of just, you know, cinephiles everywhere. Mm-hmm. Christopher Nolan doing a film about World War II, but not only doing a film about World War II, the most visceral and raw movie that I've ever seen, where everything on screen is is immaculately executed, thought out, planned. Um, There's not one star in this movie other than Tom Hardy and maybe Kenneth Branagh, uh, but their roles are limited to staring off into the middle <laughs> distance saying, oh boy. Oh, I mean, Mark Rylance is in there too. He's an Oscar winner. Yeah. But of course. Nobody, nobody really knows yeah. Mark Rylance's name. You could you could say that guy's an Academy Award, but they'd be like, that's Who? my grandpa, you know? Yeah. <laughs> or that's my, I'm pretty sure that's my Uncle Jerry. That's, no, what are you doing? But everything in that film just fuses together and um, Hans Zimmer's score is just so... I mean, it won't. I don't, probably won't end up winning any sound categories, but I think it's got a good shot at like sound editing and sound mixing because it's still John Wick two and baby, you know. Yeah. So maybe, perhaps not. But I think this film has the best chance to get um, at least three or four uh, nominations. I thought I'm pretty sure before we did the review, you thought it was going to do like eight nominations. Yeah, I, I mean, I've come back down. <laughs> Coming back around. I, I mean, I, there's there's a slew of mel- films back in July that okay, I didn't so know wh- about. Which ones do you think it has the best shot of getting nominated or even winning? Uh, film and director, I think, are locks. Okay. Uh, but I think for th- nominations, for nominations, um, sound and score are the next two. Well, mm-hmm. sound. Mixing is what we hear, correct? Yes. Yeah. So mixing um, are the two best. Okay. Or the other two. But I think it's most likely to win Best Director because... It's Nolan. It's Nolan. And a big deal has been made about how hard it was to shoot this film Mm -hmm. and all of their extras and how he wanted everything to be real, no CG um, for as much as possible. Yeah. I, I think they had to compromise in some places, but... Mm-hmm. To, m- to most of my knowledge it's mostly practical yeah almost all practical from you know the ocean to the plains mm-hmm. to all that jazz so i think i think that gets him a lock okay um i think the one that has the best shot if i could only give one of these movies a nomination okay i think it would be logan i think <gasps> logan has Ooh the best shot of any blockbuster to get a nomination because I think Hugh Jackman still has one of the best male performances in a leading role this year. Uh, I can't I th- disagree. I think it's still, I mean, it's probably it's probably his best performance. It's Logan is that blockbuster movie that still feels like an art house Oscar movie 
all in the same. I mean, it has the kind of smaller budget of $85 million or whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, so it's still, you know, it's the price of, yeah. you know, 15 Oscar, mm-hmm. regular Oscar movies. But I still think his performance is one of the best I've seen this year. And we there's still that buzz. Even, despite it being a March release or whenever this movie came out. It feels there, too early. But there yeah. is still the buzz for Logan. I mean, Hugh Jackman's making press rounds. So is even Patrick Stewart. I could see him getting a supporting actor nomination, and mm-hmm. um, you know, if all things go swell, maybe even Best Picture. I think that's probably a little bit far fetched at this point, but I think if I had to, if only one non-Oscar movie is getting a nomination for anything, yeah. it would be Hugh Jackman for Best Performance. Um, other than that, I could also see Get Out. I think Get Out would be is basically the one B to Logan. And I don't know if that would come with Jordan Peele getting a Best Director nomination, the movie getting a Best Picture, or you know a Best Screenplay nomination. Screenplay um, is probably any of those three. I think yeah. are super possible. But then I also think I would I would love to see Baby Driver get some. I would I could I mean Edgar Wright for Best Director. I think he's well deserved. Patty Jenkins for Wonder Woman. I think is well deserved. Um, and then you know I agree Dunkirk is probably a lock for a couple of nominations. And I even I would love to see Tiffany Haddish get a nomination for Girls Trip. I saw it this uh, I saw it this past week yeah. or a week and a half ago, mm-hmm. and she is just I mean that's the funniest thing <laughs> I've seen in a long time. Really, she is just awesome. hysterical every single time she pops on screen. <laughs> and if Melissa McCarthy can get a supporting nomination or supporting win for Bridesmaids, yeah, I don't. I mean Tiffany Haddish was better than Melissa McCarthy in Bridesmaids Ooh. to me. So. Uh, there any of the any any of those I think have great shots at getting awards, not be only because they're great movies, but also because I think this awards season isn't like super duper strong. Yeah, I mean so far. The best way to describe it is people are awaiting Spielberg's pick for it, the post, which he mm-hmm. shot in like what, four months, three months? Something like that. Something he wrote like, you know, it was a, a rushed project mm-hmm. is considered, oh, this could be the movie. So like right there you go. Yeah. I mean uh the chance for so many other people to shine, it's really high. Well, and there's also like that still that there's still that conversation of Oscar so white has kind of died down a little bit, but well, I mean that that I could kick right back in if it's a weak year and mm-hmm. nominations for people that are not white, but I still think they continue to add members to the academy to try to get a younger generation's um, thoughts in there, their votes, but also I think add more uh, diversity to the lineup that of movies that are getting Oscar nominations instead of, oh, well, the blockbusters can get, like, you know, sound editing or costume design mm-hmm. sometimes or makeup. Like, and those are all great awards, but they're not, you know, getting any, like, love in, like, any of the six major categories. And I think any of these movies could easily get into those. How so, many Academy Award members are there? Oh, there's uh, there's like thousands. thousands? Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah, which is like we added 400 new members, and they're all like either under this age range or people of color. And you're like, wow, that's great, but they only make up five percent of the academy. And you're like, uh, oh wow. Yeah. So <laughs> it's slow, but slow progress. Yeah, even giving a, uh, am I, yeah, giving them giving giving a proportional um, 
making a giving a proportional number to members in the academy still makes them a minority. Right. <laughs> so yeah. It's like even, even if they did do this, this thing where they all collude and vote for each other's <laughs> projects, right. it still like, goes nowhere. Yeah. It's like all 400 new members. Are like, okay, we're all voting for Get Out, right? For best direct yeah. for best picture. Yeah. Well, if the other 4,000 people don't vote for it, you're still on right. the outside looking in. So, you know, <laughs> it's it's, it's going to take some time, obviously. Oh, but. they, yeah, I mean, so, yeah, idea, yeah, execution of ideas. Yeah. And their intentions. But right. uh, this week we got the big news of the Infinity War trailer dropping. We yeah. already did a huge emergency episode breaking down the whole trailer. And uh, in response to that, my friend Ryan Workman tweeted at us asking our opinions on Thanos' new look because... He has had a different look in each of his four appearances in the MCU mm-hmm. so far. If you, you know, I think we retweeted it on our feeds. Yep, so if you want to feed. see how he compares to the end of Avengers, to, um, you know, in Guardians of the Galaxy, versus the end of Age of Ultron, versus his first look in the trailers, uh, he does look very different. He doesn't have his helmet. His skin looks a little more pinkish, not as much purple. Um, I don't see a problem here, and I don't really get why people are complaining about his look. Yeah, it, well, the, here's the, the, the there's two, three things. First of all, number one, the first shot of him, he's pink. Well, and, and that's, he goes, that's not even Josh Brolin either. Yeah, exactly. And then we get purple, more purple, more purple, and then pink again. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how to address that, but in all those shots, it's pretty dark out. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's. It's just, it's just the sun. The sun, yep. and he's tanned. But I think the bigger deal is people are like, dude, where's Thanos' headgear and armor? And yeah. why is he just wearing a wife beater and you know, shorts <laughs> yeah. out there with every, against everybody? So that's like another thing, too, that uh, people are you know mm-hmm. kind of screwing with about his look. But no, I, I made it very clear that I he looks he looks the he's one of the best humanoid CG villains mm-hmm. that I've ever seen, and and I'm terrified of but also been like that dude was my best friend i'd be like you're ugly man but i'm not scared of you <laughs> right. so yeah no i i think it's stellar and then i mean brolin's eyes are right there yep. and laid on so i i think it's great yeah i mean I, I, I the shot that's in this tweet specifically uh, isn't the best shot of him in the trailer there's a shot where it is darker there's fire around him and it's a very it's a much closer shot up of thanos and i think that's where you see like the VFX on it look great. The same with what he's putting the Infinity Stone in the Infinity Gauntlet. You can see just like the detail in his arm or like yeah. his fingers. Like it's there. And uh, I think to call it bad VFX or anything or uh, – and we're still six months out. So there's plenty of time. If, if he's a little pink, right. they can still yeah. purple him up a little bit by the time the mm-hmm. movie comes around. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're worried about Thanos' look, I wouldn't be too concerned because uh, I think by the time it hits theaters and you'll see it on the big screen, it's going to look a lot better. Yeah. Uh, even if you're a fan of it, I think it's still going to look better by the time we get to theaters than it does now. And because he is totally CG, maybe they just haven't had the time to put the CG helmet on him yet. Yeah, you never exactly. know. <laughs> I didn't think of that. So uh, moving on to some other news that dropped this week, we got word from THR this week that Chinese actress Liu Yifei, also known as Crystal Liu in China, is set to play Mulan in the live-action Disney remake uh yifei is a huge star in china she's fluent in english and has a martial arts background and is the winner of the winner quote unquote uh of a worldwide cast insert that disney did to find the person to play mulan 
because they wanted somebody who could speak English very well, who knew martial arts, but also had the star power. And she is uh, a huge star in China, has a huge following over there, which, you know, it seems like even though I don't know her as an actress, the fact that Disney's already playing heavily to the Chinese market, I think, is brilliant. So uh, I, I like the casting because of that alone. Yeah. I and I like you said, I've known nothing about her filmography. I mean, I've got it pulled up here. Not a single one of these movies I've ever laid eyes on before at all. So that is, I mean, I don't say that's great, but someone totally new mm-hmm. um, coming over from China, like you said, yeah. And I don't know. We still don't know a thing about this movie, other than like they've been saying. It's going to be like this. Actually, no, it'll be like that. Yeah. It'll be like this. It'll be like that. Like, uh, whatever. But she just sounds like a total badass. Um, martial arts. Uh, so there we go. Let's do it. Yeah. Do you think that Eddie Murphy comes back to voice Mushu? No. No? I don't think so. Mainly because when was the last time you've seen Eddie Murphy? Exactly. Is he still around? It's the big renaissance. Oh, I don't know. And he's, I mean, that voice. Is it iconic? I think it's pretty iconic. Is it I, iconic as Donkey, though? Uh, Probably not. Because I think Shrek was always bigger than Mulan was. But I also think that, I don't, I mean, hmm. I'm sure there's a hundred different people you could cast to do the voice of Mushu. But I, I, I think it'd be great to bring him back because, you know, in all these live action remakes that brought James Earl Jones back to voice Simba, or not yeah. Simba, to voice Mufasa. Right. Um, they didn't bring anybody back for Jungle Book. Um, but I, th- I think it'd be a nice way to, to, sh- to show love to the original animated movie to bring her in. Same way, like, I would love it if Ming Na Wen was cast as, like, Mulan's mother or something, or oh, another yeah. leader or warrior or something. Just because, like, she voiced the original Mulan, it'd be great right. to see Ming-Na Wen, who is awesome, like, in action in the movie itself. Sure. So, um, But, I mean, I mean, granted, this is not... Is this comparing apples to oranges mm-hmm. because of, obviously, the situation? But Will Smith is genie, is well, a great pivot. Eddie, I know Eddie Murphy is still alive. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, right. So, like I said, apples to oranges. But I think there are some new voices out there that could do a great Maybe. Mushu as well. Uh, especially... He's got to have that comedy thing. I, I think... What are you going to do? Get like Keegan-Michael Key or something? Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. He's already... He's he's the hyena guy. You know, he's hyena in Lion King, so... He could totally cross he already over. He already took on his Disney uh, animated role. <laughs> Jordan Peele... Jordan, could Jordan Peele do it? I don't know. I think Jordan Peele could do it. Yeah. I think he could. Or they go like mentor route and they just cast like Jackie Chan or something. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know if I love that, but I would, personally, I'd rather see Eddie come in. I think I would love to see that. Uh, I dig it. That comeback. I mean, I would. I would be okay with it. Okay, there we go. But one of these days, you're gonna hear a name out there and be like, "He would have been perfect for it." And yeah, maybe we'll see. You never know. They they do like Keanu Reeves or something. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a dark Mushu. It'd be, it'd be kind of cool. Recent stuff. Uh, or they, or they do Benedict Cumberbatch, and he has to do the motion capture, and we get smog all oh, over again. <laughs> that was such a terrible choice. Hey, those videos of him crawling around in the suit <laughs> are so funny. Um, and speaking of Benedict Cumberbatch, he is in the MCU, and is. MCU is quickly approaching the star production on Captain Marvel, and that hashtag show reported this week that Ben Mendelsohn uh, is currently 
If his talks close and nothing changes in the script, the current plan is for him to play the Kree general Yon Rog in Captain Marvel, which confirms a lot of the previous report. I mean, the previous report was that he's going to play the lead villain. It would make sense that Yon Rog is the lead villain um, in the Kree Skrull War. Ta da! Yeah. So we have that the plot is confirmed then officially. No. The Kree Skrull War? Yeah, that was confirmed a while ago. Yeah, that was confirmed by Kevin yeah. Feige. <laughs> right. So that's, that's about as confirmed as it can get. Because that was like right before, right when I was pitching like, oh, this takes place during Operation Desert Storm. <laughs> yeah. And then they're like, oh, no, they're fighting the other people. They're like, like, no, oh, it's okay. in the 90s, yeah. Yeah, never Out mind space, then. no. Throw that, that out the window. All right, well, Ben Mendelsohn, who is this Vaughn Grog? Vaughn Rog? Yeah. Him. He is. What does he do? Uh, obviously, he's the general of, or not general, he's the colonel of the Kree army, and he has a very. Uh, Specific set of skills. <laughs> yeah, no. Kind of. Okay. Uh, no, he's not Liam Neeson, unfortunately. That'd be a great choice. That'd be cool. What if um, Liam Neeson played Mushi? Or, uh, Mushu, I, I or Pat Oswald? Uh, I don't know if Pat Oswald has the right. Anziz uh, Anzari. Wow, that's uh that may that 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 could top it. Ooh, okay. I, I could see that. All right, anyway, that'd be very different, Mushu. I think, <laughs> sure. but I could get on I, more Aziz Ansari, the better in my life. Um, yeah, come back, man. I mean, yeah, we need Masters of None season three, but obviously don't rush it because the first two have been excellent. But uh, getting back to Jan Rock, yes. uh, he is him and Captain Mar or not Captain Marvel. Him and Marvel have a very um, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Combative relationship. They don't like each other. Okay. Rivals. Uh, Jan Rog is always out to kill Marvel, and it is because of that in the comics that Jan Rog kidnaps Carol Danvers before she's Captain Marvel because mm-hmm. she is friends with Marvel on Earth, and so he captures her. She gets injured in one of their battles, and then the Kree machine known as the Psyche Magnetron uh, breaks, malfunctions. And it it, it it changes Carol's DNA to infect her with all the Kree stuff and make her yeah. Captain Marvel. So he is pretty integral to her origin story, uh, which makes it sound like they're going to stick relatively close to her comic origin, which uh, should be cool. I only hope that all of this stuff wraps up pretty quickly so we can get off into space and have the Kree scroll war and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So all of the ingredients for the Captain Marvel origin story are yes. finally there. Which makes sense. Fantastic. Well, yeah, it's the first film. Yeah. So. We got, I mean, yeah, she's no Batman. <laughs> Not a lot of people know her origin <laughs> story. So, uh, moving on to masters of the universe. Uh, ah. the rap is reporting that Batman V Superman writer, David S. Goyer is in talks to direct hmm. masters of the universe reboot at Sony uh, he did the most recent draft of the script after McGee left as the director, uh, and his previous directorial efforts include Blade Trinity, Heck which yeah. you were talking about that you liked before we started recording. I so, love the Blade movies. Are you excited for David Goyer possibly directing Master of the Universe? Um, okay, but here's the thing: Blade is very much grounded how do you do this with he-man like i mean i'm trying to yeah. think of david goyer's films mm-hmm. um he's got writing credits and all sorts of things you know directing his directorial th- films have been grounded like you know mm-hmm. a little bit a little bit sci-fi but I mean, even, also, even a lot of his writing stuff you know he was you know blade is relatively grounded in yeah. the real world 
Batman Begins is very much grounded. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's the Batman vs Superman. Less so, but still kind yeah, of. There's an they're, they're following the the Nolan Batman formula, kind of. They're, yes. they're attempting to. Right. So I don't know how you get a He-Man movie off the ground because I mean, I'm thinking of the 1986 seven? seven. I think it's seven. Yeah. Okay. Film, and that was really campy. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying. I'm thinking of what was it? Car, car like haunts my dreams. Still, like that purple guy with the hair. He looks like uh, he just uh, terrible. Um, but yeah, how do you avoid that with He-Man? Because he's literally just like Arnold Schwarzenegger with a wig. Right. Uh, I mean, I know that's not who played him, but like that's yeah. that's, that's the visual impression of the dude running around with a sword all the time. So I, I would be really interested to see how they go about this. Right. I think the one thing it does, I don't really care about Master of the Universe movie to begin with, but I think it shows the type of movie that Sony wants to make. They don't want a Thor Ragnarok-ish, you know, wacky, colorful Master of the Universe movie. They want a grounded in reality, somewhat uh, Lord of the Rings-esque, Game of Thrones sort of, you know, Master of the Universe epic, which could work. You know um, what? Th- that that could work absolutely, but there's also so many crazy elements um, with He-Man, with Skeletor, mm-hmm. with Grayskull, all that jazz. Like y- you have to find that balance. And like before, a lot of people were like, "Oh, cast Chris Hemsworth as He-Man." That probably would work great, but I don't. After Thor Ragnarok, I don't want to see him in this this dark, gritty. Yeah. Master of the Universe movie where He-Man's Absolutely. off there, you know, brooding and cutting heads off, and it's R-rated. Like, you know, I want to see him be more like Thor and Thor Ragnarok. Um, so, I, I think this movie, if Goyer signs on, it, it's going to not be that. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's... Hmm. Now, it would have to be almost jokey, because I don't see any way... Because there's spaceships in He-Man too and stuff like that, right? Yeah. It's not like a medieval... Unless they go that route, but yeah. So yeah, I just, I just don't know what you do. That doesn't make it look like the 60s Star Trek, only way worse. Right. So, or 60s Star Trek with Adam West Batman and, you know, just terrible characters. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so moving on to Avatar. Oh, hey. One of our very first topics we ever talked about on the podcast, so it's fitting we talk about the sequels today. Uh, James Cameron told Vanity Fair that Avatar 4 and 5 aren't necessarily locked into happening uh, because he smartly revealed that they'll only get made if Avatar 2 and 3 hit like they are expected to. Mm-hmm. So uh, <laughs> I'll pose the question to you. What are the chances of all four sequels hitting theaters by 2025 as they are currently planned? 75%. Okay. The will to do it is there, but it's all about box office reception. Um because if they may, even if they don't hit their billion dollar, you know, estimated mark, if they land anywhere near the 650 to 750 million, you know, worldwide global box office that I'm assuming Fox is imagining that they will at least blow past. Oh uh, yeah, at least yeah, they got to blow past that. They'll green light 4 and 5. Cuz like what is it? A billion per film? No, it's two fifty $250 million production budget, r- roughly, per movie. So. Oh, yeah. So they can do it. But, I mean, they have to at least double that. Um, mm-hmm. 
plus marketing and something I didn't even really know until like recently was that like the studios only get like 60% of ticket sales. Like they, really? they only get like 60 cents on the dollar or something. So like to say that like, Oh, well it has to make $600 million worldwide. That's if it has to make, if that'd be like, if, Fox has to make six hundred million dollars back, then it'd really have to make more like eight fifty or something oh, worldwide. Snap. Which is it's a it's a bigger task. Like I learned this in looking at like Justice League box office stuff because mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, it only has to make six hundred million dollars worldwide, that's no problem. But it's right. like, no, but Warner Brothers has to recoup six hundred million dollars and since oh, theaters man. keep a portion of that, right that and you know, marketing and all that stuff there is a lot of money they still have to make to break even on that movie. So, uh, but I think I, I do think if you have to be like, okay, these movies Avatar two and three combined have to make $1.6 billion to get there. I think that's very reasonable. I think that, I think they'll easily do that. I think the first one's going to make over a billion. Second one should, if it's if the if the third one if the second one's any good third one should make another billion okay. maybe maybe a little less and I th- if that's the case then great but if they don't it's good to know that we're not locked in for two more after that right if they're you know making four hundred million dollars at the box office or yeah Fox is I mean in especially especially too Fox is like so noncommittal right now mm-hmm. I mean they're doing lots of things so. And it always made sense that this was probably the way it was from the start. Yeah. But Cameron's just like, get ready. Here get comes ready for five. four more. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So um, the dude's a salesman. He Sometimes I think he talks a little bit too quickly. Yeah. So, uh, okay. There we go. Yeah. We're, back, we're back down to earth on Avatar's prospects. Yes. Um, and we are also back on talks of Disney and Fox. Joining forces, potentially, because the Wall Street Journal is reporting that talks are back on between the two studios, and this follows a report from Deadline earlier this week that talks were heating up. So, uh, previously, Sony was reported to be in the mix. Comcast is still said to be uh, right there, too, but really it looks like Disney is aggressively moving to make a deal complete, potentially by the year's end. Uh, Do you think that that's going to happen? Yeah, because I can't see Disney passing it up. I mean, I really, like, listen, Comcast, I would rather see it go to Comcast. You know, if we're, like, listen, I don't want this sale to go through. I want Fox <laughs> to hold on to Fox Studios. Yeah, uh, but they don't want to hold on to Fox. But so. <laughs> they don't want to hold on to Fox Studios. So if I had to pick, you know, the which uh, monopoly that Fox needs to go to, uh, yeah, I would I would pick Comcast over Disney any day. Um, just because... All of that would stay there in the incentive to ring out as much unique films and takes and mm-hmm. talent and product from the properties that they pick up from those studios would still remain. Mm-hmm. If it goes back to Disney, yes, you could integrate that into um, their streaming service and things like that. But ultimately, it's still one company. Yeah, checking boxes off the top, and you can only green light so many things a year, <laughs> and 
Or so we believe. Or so we believe, yeah. Uh, Comcast, you know, doing that. I mean, it would be somebody else getting their hands on it. and Because con- right now Comcast is solely, almost solely, just a uh, content delivery service yeah. in a lot of ways. I I I think this is going to happen by the year's end. Okay. 100% uh, with Disney. All right. Um, because the more I've thought about it, I... The more I just continue to go back to the thought that Disney is not a dumb <laughs> company. No. They're not probably the, the smartest studio out there. Yeah. And I don't think that they're going to take in Fox and be like, all right, Searchlight, you're gone. Uh, Deadpool, you're gone. Like, mm-hmm. if they're seeing movies that are making money, getting awards, like, they're not just going to wipe out that division. I think they're going to just turn Fox into Disney, Disney Searchlight, Disney whatever. Like, mm-hmm. They'll turn all the X Men stuff into Marvel Knights or um, Marvel Max or whatever you want, whatever different brand subheading you want to put it under, so that way you can still make R rated movies. But then you could also still hook them up into them, see if you really wanted to. And I also think that I've been just reading up on this stuff more. Like um, over at Forbes, Mark Hughes has continued to say that this is really if Disney. And Marvel Studios and Kevin Feige really want to get the X-Men Fantastic Four back anytime soon. This is the best way to do it, for better or worse. Because if Mm -hmm. these characters go to another studio, if they go to Comcast, they go to Sony, Warner Brothers, Universal, Paramount, whatever happens, uh, then that other new company will just reboot it all the same. And then they're not going to sell all the IP they just paid for to another company. They're going to want to keep it for themselves and try their hand at it. So if Marvel and Disney really want all the X-Men, all the Marvel characters back under one roof, this is the best way to do it. Plus you get all the other franchises. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I've continued to hear that like, you know, one of the properties that Disney would, that Disney should reboot the most would be home alone. I think a Disney home alone reboot would be, Right up the rally. That would that could be the next holiday franchise we see for the next yeah. ten years. Like that's just sounds like a Disney thing. And mm-hmm. I just think it continues to make the most sense that Disney would want Fox and since Fox is looking to sell, yeah. it makes all the sense that this deal will close. And they're already home to avatars. Yeah. You know, the 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 much ride raved about Seriously. Ride. I've heard nothing but great things. Colton yeah. went there a couple weeks ago. My family went there a couple weeks ago, and they waited in line for two and a half hours oh. for the ride. It was like five minutes long, and they got off, and they said they loved it, and they wanted to go on it again. They were willing to wait another two hours. I'm like, yeah. what is this ride? Like, <laughs> they <laughs> say like the thing like breathe. Like, yeah, you've it's, got it's like 4D. This, that is insane. I mean, like they have 4D rides, but uh, like what I'm hearing about this one just, it just is it sounds is like revolutionary. So, yeah so immersive so i mean yeah that that part right there makes the most sense i mean putting the 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 mouse ears on the largest grossing film worldwide right bringing that under your tent why would you pass that up yeah um but of course like i think we said Plus during the like, big question all that like continuity or not the continuity all that technology that cameras doing bring that into like ilm yeah and, because you know whew. what the part of the part of the deal is I think Cameron's talked about, you know, mocap underwater and all sorts of things like that. The whole point of it has been that, yeah, there is IP here Mm -hmm. that you, once you get, if anybody else wants to use it, they have to come through you licensing or, you know, 
rights to distribution and mm-hmm. all sorts of things. So, yeah. And like we said with Fox Searchlight and their streaming service, every indie movie that you love or probably that will, you know, uh, that is endeared in your heart in the last 15, 20 years has come from Searchlight. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, would just, it makes total sense, but mm-hmm. I'd rather Comcast, if, if we're picking monopolies, I'd, I'd like to see Comcast <laughs> yeah. get it. I'm, I'm behind Disney. They'll figure it out. And, uh, you know, they Fair are, enough. they've already crossed $5 billion mark this year at the box office. Mm. If they can pull in Fox stuff as well, yeah. they'll be going from, Oh, we've made 5 billion to, we made $8 billion box office alone. And the rest of <laughs> yeah. the rest of all movie industry made like three or four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, I mean, it, it just, it makes too much sense for Disney. So, um, we've got a little bit of time left in this podcast. Uh, so we have a couple of the stories we can get to Josh, or we can do a topic we haven't really done recently and kind of a, what have we watched lately? So do you want to pick a new story from the remaining four of 20 more Marvel movies, four more Harley Quinn movies, Daisy Ridley, maybe done with Ray after nine or Denny Villeneuve possibly want to do a stars movie or, do you want to talk about what we've been watching recently? Well, I know for a fact that we will talk about at least three of these stories <laughs> uh, in the coming three to four months, for sure. Probably. Uh, unquestioned. But being our 100th episode, why not close it out with something that we've been starting the podcast for at least, what, a good two months yeah. doing? Uh, what have we been watching? And I know you've been on a tear oh with Oscar film. Well, at least oscar caliber films lately uh so i would love to hear some i mean i've already i've asked a little bit off the pod uh-huh. but i would love to hear some quick thoughts on at least four of those films four of these movies yes okay. i think one of them you're referring to is roman j israelesque yes that's one of the most recent movies i've watched um i, I saw it what yesterday as of this recording on friday afternoon uh, I thought it was good, not great. I uh, had high expectations because it was Dan Gilroy. Sophomore slump? Uh, yeah, uh, no. Maybe. I think it just it tried to do a little too much, and it didn't concentrate on the part of the story that I thought it was going to more. Um, so there was a lot of setup, and then the fallout happened really, really quickly. It has great performances by Denzel, so you can't fault it there. But gotcha. I think there was still a lot that this movie could still could have done and it could have left a better imprint on me and been like, oh, this is one of my top 20 movies of the year instead of like middle of the pack sort of review. Okay. Um, which building off of that, it's not a movie Oscars this year, but it's a previous Oscar nominee, Philadelphia. I watched that this morning. Uh, Tom Hanks and Denzel. Cause yeah. I was like, I want to see Denzel's other work a little bit. And it was on, it's on Amazon prime or something. I was like, I'll check this out. Great movie. Loved it. Um, other than that, what else have I watched? Uh, in terms of this year, mm-hmm. Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Yes. I watched that uh, the this past one, week. One of the buzziest movies. Yeah. Right now. Uh, it is pretty crazy. Really good. Uh, really, really funny. Francis McDormand should absolutely get the, on- the nomination for Best Female Lead. I could see her winning it okay. um, based on what I've seen so far. And then uh, Sam Rockwell, male supporting, like, lock it up, I think. Like, it, he was great. The movie, 
Overall, its ending is going to be the biggest talking point, and I obviously can't talk about that without spoiling the movie. So, unsatisfying uh, or just uh, controversial? Personally, I left a little unsatisfied with the ending, um, but I think it'll vary depending on who is watching the movie. Yeah. Um, And then what else? Um, I'm going to say one of the movie I watched recently that's not from this year, and then I'll let you talk about it. Yeah, go for it. If there's specific movies from this year you want me to talk about, then you can throw them my way. Um, I also watched because Shape of Water started hitting theaters this week Mm -hmm. and limited. It's supposed to go wide in a week or so. And so I've been trying to catch up on my Del Toro filmography all throughout the year. Yeah. Rewatching the Hellboy movies. And uh, I, I, I thought it's finally time to watch what I think a lot of people proclaim to be his best movie in Pan's Labyrinth. It is a Mexican movie. Uh, so it's it's all dubbed. Mm-hmm. It's not dubbed. It's all subtitled. Yeah. Which I don't love, but you know, I got through it. And I didn't think this movie was that great. I... Uh, it had two competing storylines in the movie. One being fantastical, which I thought was going to be the whole movie based on the title. And the other being like a wartime tragic love story almost. And I was not expecting that aspect of the movie at all. Um, I liked that aspect of it, but it took away from the movie. I thought I was getting and the cutting back and forth and trying to weave them in together. I think, uh, could have been executed better. And I think just the wartime stuff is something Del Toro tries to bring into a lot of his movies from what I've seen. Um, but, I mean, the VFX in it, the practical effects are great. Doug Jones's pan <laughs> rabbit thing, bunny <laughs> yeah. uh, ram, like, looks great. And, I mean, all the set design and uh, the ba- basically the lead of the other story outside of the the kid named Ophelia, like, her journey. Mm-hmm. Um, the story that follows Mercedes played by Maribel Verdot. Okay. Yeah. I thought she was the best part of the movie for me. Uh, and I thought it would have been interesting to follow her character more, but since we kept cutting back to the fantastical part that I thought the movie was going to be, and that part didn't work as well. Uh, I just found it middle of the road. So that's probably controversial. And <laughs> yeah. opinion, I don't think a lot of people have, but I still think those two movies meshed well together. Would you say it's, because you would you say it's just the stories that keep you that give that it's giving you whiplash that kind of ruins it for you or or not ruins it but subtracts from what else is going on or I don't know if I had whiplash um, jumping back and forth because it's not like okay let's spend a minute here a minute here a minute here a minute here it's mm-hmm. it's extended periods so. I think it's more so I didn't connect with the Ophelia storyline as much as I think most people did when they watched the movie. Um, okay. So that whole story in itself wasn't that interesting. And I didn't really get why it was all starting now as opposed to like, why didn't this happen earlier or later? Or it just felt, you know, coincidental and, kind of shoehorned into this larger war that was happening in the actual world. Okay. Fair enough. So, so what have you been watching? And then if you have anything specifically, just throw it back. All right. I have been completely terrible on new (laughs) films. All right. But I recently realized, Hey, I have an Amazon video subscription. 
Yeah. Well, I mean, if you have Prime. Mm-hmm. And they have a great slate of movies on they there. Do. So I've been on a bit of a tear through there. And I recently caught Brian Cranston's The Infiltrator. It's a l- okay. little bit, it's middle of the road. I mean, unremarkable. But Brian Cranston, I feel like the dude just kind of like holes up and picks obscure roles. Right, He's been picking obscure roles mm-hmm. right now. He's like desperately looking for some kind of like Oscar caliber yeah. film. And it's a little bit disappointing. Doesn't because get there. Yeah, I mean, no, I mean, obviously doesn't get there. It's not. It was a yeah. film from last year or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, you know, big, yeah, big deal. Right. Whatever. But it just made me. It really made me wish. Like the dude is hilarious, but he's also a dramatic actor, and I would love to see him pick up. You know, some. I mean, I know he did. Uh, Why him with James Franco? Yeah. Was that early this year? Late last uh, it was year? Last. Last Christmas. Uh, maybe it was early this year. Or twenty fifteen Christmas. Uh, I want to say it happened late last year. Yeah, that sounds right. Because I'm, I'm picturing a, an interview for Franco did, um, where I was on the Late Show. But when, anyway, yeah. And then also on there, I don't know how this movie I missed this movie, but Swiss Army Man. Okay, yeah, yeah. It one of the most. It should it be? It should be one of the most morbid movie. Not morbid, yeah. but also entertainingly and sweet. Like, um. Daniel Radcliffe being a dead body mm-hmm. that who's flat <laughs> just all the uh, fart jokes. Yeah, I've heard. Uh, yeah. The uh, the fl- they, well, they eventually use his flatulence as like a motorboat to you know get them <laughs> off the ocean. Um, but there's also just like uh, and then there's uh, plenty of like you know boner jokes and things like that. But the the relationship between like a broken heart and a guy who just like totally lost his his life mm-hmm. and the the conversations back and forth on that are like, are so incredibly sweet um, that I was surprised that it didn't get, cause that's my knowledge. It didn't get any nods uh, no. last year at all. And I felt like that should have been something that I felt like that was something that was missed. Okay. Um, and, but those are really only the two remarkable things that I've seen. I could talk about, you know I mean? There's a, there's an indie comedy in there with Radcliffe as well, but mm-hmm. that's that seems to be fine. Um, but everyone is talking about Lady Bird right now. Yes. It's a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is. It, has, it broke the record this week of having the most reviews at 100, so it's technically the best-reviewed movie in Rotten Tomatoes history. Yeah, and I know you've seen it. I, I did see I, it. I wanted to ask you about it. I asked you like a little bit about it, mm-hmm. but would, you, would your review on Rotten Tomatoes – Keep it at one hundred percent. Is it being fresh? Yes. Yes. Yes, okay. it would. Yeah. So it has I think hundred and sixty four is the record I think currently. So mm-hmm. it'd have one sixty five awesome. if I was a certified yes. critic on Rotten Tomatoes, which I am not, so I wouldn't do anything anyways. But my review that I put into Rotten Tomatoes is like or in Flickster or whatever, mm-hmm. it added to the uh the fan or the audience score. So yeah. I helped keep that audience score high as well. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's a great movie. I wasn't blown away by it as a, a lot of people seem to have been, but I think the performance is really strong, uh, specifically by Cersei Ronan. Um, but also uh, from her mother, which is played by uh, Lori Metcalf, I think is her name. Um, I may have messed that one up. But I th- it's it's really good. I could see Greta Gerwig, the director, getting a Best Directing nomination. Or yeah, it is Laurie Metcalf. Yep. Um, but uh, the movie 
it's really following Lady Bird uh, in her life as right. a Catholic um, schoolgirl and her trying to find herself, but she also wants to move away. It has Edge of 17 vibes throughout it where I, I kept thinking back to that movie because um, it does it's her you know finding love and trying to find her place and her identity but also what's next for her in life mm-hmm. and um, I thought there there's a relationship between her and um, Lucas Hedges that I thought yeah. they were really well they worked really well together but then Timothy Chalamet enters in later in the middle part of the movie or so and they start a thing. I didn't love that as much. And Chalamet just plays just like the most like, I don't know, like, like unlikable guy. You're just like, no, no girl should ever be with him. Yeah. So it was just like annoying when they were together for like half the movie. And oh, so I was just like, okay. I don't like this right. as much as the first part. But uh, that, I mean, that's a lot, that's more personal than technically a hit on the movie's quality. Like Adam Driver's girls. uh character yeah Adam. <laughs> um so, but i mean overall i think i think it is a great movie and i think it probably will get a lot of oscar love and i think that's really deserved i mean uh i think that between three billboards and ladybird that it has the two best female lead performances i've seen of the year mm-hmm. so far um and you know it's also got each of them have great supporting roles um i think both of them have shots at best picture depending on how the rest of the year plays out and stuff as well. So uh, that was one of the other ones. Is there anything other specifically you can think of? Not off the top of my head, no. Is there okay. anything you'd want to round out with? Um, I mentioned after the podcast last week, I saw Train Spotting 2. That was really good. Oh, yeah. Um, I rewatched Looper mm-hmm. leading up to Star Wars because of Ryan Johnson and just made me, again, be like, Ryan Johnson such a perfect choice for Star Wars because that movie is... Basically, a Star Wars movie. If you replace TK with the Force and you make Ryan Johnson a bounty or not Ryan, you make uh, Joseph Gordon Levitt a bounty hunter. Yeah, facing like trying to find a Force wielding kid. Mm-hmm. It's a Star Wars movie. You change those elements, and it's a Star Wars movie. Like it's 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 weird, <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> how similar it is almost. And uh, then also just to plug it again, Ingrid Goes West. I rewatched that over the last couple of days mm-hmm. still one of my favorites of the year it is it's it's just so good and so funny and uh audrey plaza o'shea jackson jr uh elizabeth olsen uh, they're they're just they're they're great wyatt russell too like it's it's just so good it's super funny i think i love the topic of social media and yeah. kind of be like a social media stalker and being obsessed with an online persona like i just think all that stuff is great for today and age and it uh remind me a lot of the um bryce dallas howard black mirror episode from season three season four is coming next year early next year i think um that sounds right they've so talked about i think there's a preview out i think so i haven't watched it but yeah i think uh if if you liked that episode of black mirror absolutely check out uh ingrid goes west matt spicer directed it it's excellent and uh i can't see anybody seeing that movie and just being like i don't like it it's just such it's such a good time that uh it's, it's i can't recommend it highly enough for anybody gotcha. so uh that's that's all we got then that's all we got then. nothing else so that is our 100th episode we'll be back next week with episode 101 and we will be reviewing probably allegedly 
possibly the best movie about the worst movie ever. <laughs> yeah. Ironically, yeah. yeah. Uh, the Disaster Artist. Yep. James Franco, Seth Rogen, Dave Franco, um, uh, Alison Brie, mm-hmm. and someone else really so great many, that so I'm many leaving other people. out. Yeah, exactly. Josh Hutchinson's in there. Right. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the cast list is incredible. It just keeps rolling on and yeah. on and on and on. I, I've heard nothing but good things about nothing this. Nothing but great things. Yeah, and so uh, it seems like it is the the culmination of Tommy Sisu's <laughs> career, or Wisu's. I think it's Wiseau. Wiseau, there we go. That flows a lot better. Yeah. But yeah, I'm excited to see it. The, the first trailer was diehard hilarious. Mm-hmm. The second was like, oh, no, this is an underdog story. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, you think about the film itself, and then you just start laughing. And so mm-hmm. I, it it all sounds very sweet. Yeah. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to, especially from Rogan and Franco. It sounds like the ultimate, the, the, the final pivot of their careers mm-hmm. towards like, Oh, we should take these people very seriously, yeah. even though you know, they're they're one of their films caused an international incident. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but well, what are you looking forward to most from Disaster Arts, Cooper? Uh, most, it's James Franco's performance as Tommy Wiseau. I think mm-hmm. I've been saying it since I watched The Room, and then I rewatched the trailers. That I think he is just lined up to get an Oscar nomination and. Based on what I've seen in the male category outside of Hugh Jackman as Logan, I think it's 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 a not super competitive field. Mm-hmm. So I, I, if he delivers the performance, I believe he is going to. I think he is going to be an Oscar nomination uh, guarantee. I think he's going to be a front runner to win. And yeah. if when he does, he's going to bring Tommy Wiseau on stage Aww. to do the acceptance speech, and it's going to be just one of the most memorable moment, moments in Oscar his, history. But for the movie itself, it's really it's really Franco's performance. I want to see the great cast and see how they manage to honor, in a way, Tommy Wiseau and and not make him just a laughing stock, but yeah. really find the way to show like and understand this guy and his passion and his drive to make this movie. How it turned out so poorly, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then just like I, I, all the behind the scenes stuff of it, like watching the thirty something takes to do the oh hi Mark, yeah, uh, like I want to see. <laughs> I did not hit her. <laughs> I did not. I did not. Uh, I, I mean, I want to see all that stuff. Hi doggy, like uh, yeah, you know, that's something I never thought about. Is the the line between or. <laughs> This movie, this movie definitely has to walk a fine line. I've heard it does a great job of doing it, making fun of a guy. Uh, you know, and, and, and he's not. It wasn't born here, right? He's an immigrant, I think. Is he an immigrant? Uh, I, 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 I do don't know, know because part of why the reason I chuckle at that quote so much is because, <laughs> uh, just oh man, I don't know. So <laughs> uh, I'm gonna shut up before I okay. say anything offensive. <laughs> so it's okay. it's got a line to walk about yes, you know making fun of a guy's. Uh, ambition and drive to get a film done and mocking it for the, you know, the, how terrible it, it turned out. Yeah. So it, it, there's, I'm, I'm just interested to see what they do. Yeah. Cause it's going to be a, it's going to be a big lesson in empathy for sure. Absolutely. I think if, if it wasn't for star Wars, this would be my, my most anticipated movie for the rest of the year. All right. Um, so I, I cannot wait to see it Thursday night. Maybe I'll wait till Friday. It depends on plans mm-hmm. and everything, but I mean, I'm going to, see this movie up i if i love it as much as i think i'm going to i'll probably be a movie i'll watch a couple of times in theaters yeah. so uh that's all we have for this episode hopefully it was far from a disaster but if you enjoyed it 
Please subscribe, share, retweet, and more, and head over to iTunes. Give us a five-star review, especially with it being our 100th episode. It would be great if you guys could do that, if you haven't already, and leave us a review as well saying why you've listened to us for 100 episodes or if it's just your first episode listening to us for whatever reason. Thanks for stopping by. Uh, This is Mm -hmm. very different from our typical episodes, but if you enjoyed this kind of free-flowing structure a little bit more, let us know. Uh, if you want us to segment it off more like Josh predicted for our future episodes, mm-hmm. let us know that because any formatting things or topical changes we can do to the show to keep you guys listening and also make it just more um, engaging for you guys, that would obviously be best for us. And uh, it would just be great to know for our 100th episode that you know more people are listening out there and, and appreciate the show and like it. So uh, that's all we have for this be sure to tell us your thoughts on everything covered by tweet- tweeting us at Friends of Film, where you'll see updates on the podcast, movie news, and more. You can follow me personally on Twitter at MovieCooper and Coops underscore Hoops. And you can get at me, Josh, at just Joshua Ryan. Thanks, Dan, for tuning in to the Friends of Film podcast. Josh. Thanks for stopping in, everyone. And be sure to return next week for our view of The Disaster Artist.